0: reading over this verdict and I was just praying over it and I was like, okay, um, Lord, what are we going to do here? And all of a sudden it dawned on me that this is a roadmap. My verdict was a roadmap of what needs to be happening because it's, it's not that, you know, I needed to change my perspective of this is where the judge sees the weaknesses, particularly here in our state, but also nationally.
1: Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth, rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here,
2: we share birth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led, childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted and Eden Private Contract Association.
1: And me, holistic doula and birth keeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth.
2: To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord.
1: And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good.
2: Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to Holy Wild Birth. Today, we have the incredible honor of a post-trial interview with Angie Hawk. I believe you will find this woman encouraging and inspiring as she shares her story of walking through three and a half years of persecution and what it looks like to lean on the Lord alone. Listen in to hear her share her heart on what it means to stand with women for their right to birth and autonomy. Now, here is a disclaimer. This is a trial after a tragic loss of a precious babe. Um, We do not share the details of the birth story specifically, but please be aware of your own trauma and triggers. Uh, I do think that you will find this encouraging. Uh, So let's listen in. Hello, my dear friend, Angie, I am so elated to have you on um, and to share, just to be able to give you a place to share your side of your story and, and all that you have endured and really stood for in um, the name of freedom for the birthing woman. So um, thank you for all you've done in the last three years and um, thank you for being here.
0: Oh Well, thank you for having me, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be back and I appreciate you opening up the space for me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, not all of our listeners may be even familiar with your case or who you are or, um, you know, definitely let alone watched the trial. So um, why don't we just start with like a brief overarching like, summary of, you know, the events, the charges you faced, what we're even talking about today.
0: <laughs> absolutely. So... In 2017, I opened up uh, traditional midwifery services through Private Membership Association in Nebraska, which is where I reside. Uh, About three and a half years ago, actually a little over now, three and a half years ago, uh, unfortunately, we had a tragedy where we lost an infant um, or where I, I lost an infant. Um, Nebraska does not regulate non-nurse midwives. However, they have a history of prosecuting non-nurse midwives or harassing them, um, right. <laughs> if you will. Uh, I will. <laughs> yes. So,
2: basically,
0: they, they immediately came after me. Just and it, it was the state only that came after me, not the parents. Uh, but they immediately came after me. Uh, my home was searched with uh, warrants um and then i was charged with willful child neglect resulting in death um mm. uh, and i was uh, actually jailed for 3 days uh before getting out on bail
2: mm. goodness goodness all right there's so much so much there so many emotions um wow so what exactly were you facing if you were to be found guilty
0: So with the child neglect resulting in death, that is a class three felony, which would be up to 20 years in prison.
2: Goodness, that is so much. I can't, I can't even fathom. Um, How, how are you able to stay present and centered in that tension for the last three years? Well,
0: honestly, and this is not a cop out. It is only through Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, that I was able to stay present and calm through the whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that he knew about this before before I was even born. Um, he knew that uh, this was going to happen and he had it in his hands. He had like mm-hmm. he was in control the whole time. You know, it was it's easy to look at from an outside perspective and think, oh, the government's just playing with your life. No, God was in control and there was nothing that the government could do to me that God was not uh, having into part of his will. Um, you know, with that being said as well, knowing the history of Nebraska, when I was called into midwifery, I knew this was something that I was going to have to face. And I knew I was chosen for it. If you, you know, (laughs) I I have to say, you know, maybe say it that way, but I really was, that's how I felt. Um that I was chosen for this specific time in this specific place to um, conquer this uh, the stronghold.
2: yeah, true Esther moment, yes. so um then that that kind of you know leads me to thinking about your PMA. and I'm sure that that's probably some of why you set that up. But do you want to explain to our listeners like what is a pMA and and further uh, you know run into like why, why you would choose to set that up?
0: Exactly, I'll uh, share. Uh, Private membership association or PMA is based on your constitutional rights, specifically the First and the Fourteenth Amendment of your right to associate. And basically, it you know people say use the word like loophole. It's not a loophole. This is our constitutional right to be able to associate with like-minded people. Uh, there are professionals out there that say that this doesn't apply in a medical. Uh, necessarily medical aspect. It's because it's not ever been really challenged in a medical aspect with people who have accurately set up their private membership associations. Um, But there are several cases. There are at least about, I think, Last time I counted, 10 cases in the United States where PMAs were upheld in the courts. And a PMA that's accurately set up with articles of association has actually never been taken down um, by a court system here in the U.S. So I chose that not because I thought it was an invincible way to go. There is no such thing um, as a man-made bulletproof system. (laughs) So, you know, if it's constructed by man, it's got flaws. So... Uh, but basically, it was a speed bump and an intention set between me and the, my members who come into my association of an intention set to say, hey, we are um, choosing this, um, I am choosing to provide these services, this family is choosing to receive those services uh, of their free will and standing on their uh, autonomy in the realm of birth. So that is why I created it.
2: Yes, I love that language, the intention set. This is about setting our own personal autonomy, our own personal responsibility. Our intentions here is this. That is, I love that language. Um, So thank you for offering that language up even. So um, I guess that kind of leads me into my next thought as to this is why they went through the criminal charges? Or can you elaborate on why you were charged specifically with criminal offenses? And by whom?
0: Right. So I was charged by the state of Nebraska, specifically uh, Douglas County. I can't really speak for them as to why they went criminal. Uh, There's no... I guess I don't have on record their proof of why they went criminal. However, what I do know is that before I was charged and they searched my home, they did get my articles of association, and I can only imagine that they read them. Uh, right. because uh private membership is something that a lot of people haven't heard of. So, and it was one of the only, it was one of the few things they actually took from my home uh, that and my husband's work computers, which had nothing on them. So uh, I can imagine that they probably read those articles and realized that through the PMA, um, I can't be charged with practicing medicine without a license um, or impersonating professional, which is kind of the routes that Nebraska would take beforehand with other midwives. So I think that's why they probably went criminal, because I knew uh, it became obvious in trial that they really wanted me to be found guilty, and they would have taken an easier route had they if they could have, um, instead of this difficult route of trying to prove that I willfully placed that child in danger, which resulted in her death, um, which is a very difficult charge to prove, because basically that child was still in utero. Um, there's no way I could place that child in a, in dangerous situation, uh, being that it's housed within the mother.
2: Right. Wow. Um, so that just kind of layers, like all of the things that you were, you were facing and I'm so thankful that you had the Lord. Um, but I can't imagine, um, actually I can, cause I've, I've walked with you some of this. I can only imagine, um, the the just the fear and the intensity of the just the feeling of that that crushing weight coming at you how did you like were there any specific moments that come up for you when you you felt that like despairing or intensely afraid moments in this and how did you how did you deal with that
0: well I definitely had crushing moments and uh, um, the biggest prevalent crushing moment. Actually, there were two. Uh, One came about a month after uh, Vera died and it was kind of, we went through everything, the adrenaline rush was wearing off and I was really uh, just feeling the weight of it all, but more of it was just mourning over the loss of Vera. Uh, You know, it wasn't necessarily what was being done to me. It was the tragedy and the trauma of losing a baby, which no midwife wants. Um, you know, it is unfortunately part of childbirth. However, when you experience that, um, and, um, you know, when a provider in a hospital experiences that, they usually have programs and people that they can talk to. Uh, in my case, because I was getting criminally charged or charged period, there was no one I could talk to. I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone. I was facing this alone. I was facing the night terrors alone. Um, I was facing flashbacks alone and just feeling the weight of that. And there was really uh, not much that I could talk about in a in a public scenario for sure um, of reaching out for help. So that was very, very soul crushing to go through. There was a lot of depression and despair in the months following that. And I actually uh, discovered I was pregnant in September uh, two months or three months. Well, yes, three months uh, after uh, the loss of Vera. And that was a very difficult pregnancy for me. I, uh, I really, really struggled um, with my, with my physical health because of the emotional state that I was in, um, because I was just battling so much. And, Um, there was so much that was coming up. And I I blogged a little bit about this uh, with uh, Avalon's birth, which uh, she was one who I was pregnant with. Um, The other soul-crushing moment is when um, another midwife here in Nebraska was facing charges, uh, Mm -hmm. and still is. Uh, That was another soul-crushing moment because I just, yeah, just, just the weight of that and um, you know, that the understanding there was just very, I just took it very, very hard. Um, and that was very soul crushing and kind of just, you know, um, the weight of that definitely despair that was at one point that I was literally just screaming and crying and just sitting, um, and just the tears were flowing and I was just so, um, I want to say angry, but I wasn't angry because of anything I was going through, but what they were doing, um, to this other midwife and what, uh, and me still being in the midst of it, you know, it was just very, very fresh. And that was very, very hard to face for a while.
2: Yeah. So what I hear you saying is, these two big events both were really about the gravity of the entire situation, the gravity of the loss of this baby, and this precious life, because um, it's always just like that's that's the the circle, this or that's the center of this circle, right? This is that that tragedy of the loss of Vera, and then this other, you know, thing that they that they made it about um, was this licensure and to become a, a witch hunt of midwives and. Um, you seeing that uh, that greater picture and um, it's just an inspiration that you still had um, the wherewithal to see others in that like depth of of survival most people walking through survive you know being in survival mode are only able to look at themselves and you continue to look at Jesus and and see the others around you that that's needed him um it's just such an inspiration I'm just so so moved by by you angie and the way you've walked this out
0: thank you but it really was uh, the peace uh the peace that passes all understanding from jesus christ because in and of myself there's no way there's no way that i could have um
2: done any of it amen amen i yeah i don't know how people are able to live this life without him um so, that kind of brings us to the trial, you know. It was a long journey to get to that uh that time <laughs> of um of the trial. So like was there anything leading up to that or the trial itself like the hardest part of of being in that trial um for you? Um well, there with
0: the trial, I was very um, – God did a very good job of preparing me. I actually didn't – there was only maybe a, a couple things that were came as a surprise to me, but for the most part, everything expected just as it went. Uh, but the hardest parts were uh, – there were three hard, really hard parts for me. was, one, the dad's testimony. Um, it was just hard to hear how – he was how they were treated at the hospital. I mean, I knew it because we had talked, but, um, just to hear it again, that was, that was really disheartening. Um, yeah. And, um, the mom's interview, that was another one. Um, I knew about it. Uh, I knew what was said, but just hearing that again, and she just saying she wants to go home and, um, yeah, the th- you know, the it was just very hard. It was very hard to to hear um just the hurt um all over again. And then the third one was when the Emmy testified. Um it wasn't his testimony that was hard, but they actually did bring pictures of um not all the pictures of Vera's autopsy, but just a couple. And when they showed them to my lawyers, I got a glimpse of them and I lost it. (laughs) Uh, uh, That was, that was really hard to, to, to see.
2: Wow. Wow. Um, I'm so sorry. You had to see that and that that was a part of (laughs) that, that day for you on top of everything else. Uh, um, And again, I hear you looking out, looking at, at, um, the, the real reason that it brought everything down was the pain of, of the loss of Vera here and this family and your support for them. Um, so I think something that I have heard most people ask, um, you know, even when I was seeking prayers for you during the week of trial and, you know, people like kind of finally learning about it, uh, because of the highly televised part of the trial most people kept going well why isn't she sharing her side like why isn't she speaking and that was really hard for um for people to understand um uh, why you didn't share your side of events leading to Vera's death and um so if you'd like to share why and what it was like to have to remain silent from your 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 perspective right
1: so uh
0: basically everything that I say can and will be used against me in a court of law uh, between in those three years. <laughs> so that was the biggest reason I'm not coming out publicly um, sharing things because I was advised not to and uh, we prayed about it and felt like that that uh, probably was the best course of action was. Uh, to remain silent. And honestly, you know, to be very, very blunt is, you know, people form their own opinions. Uh, Very rarely do people gather all the facts before forming those opinions. And anything that I would have said for the people that were against me, it would not have changed their opinion. Right. People that were for me, it would not have changed their opinion. (laughs) So really when it, when it came out to, you know, well, what is, you know, a lot of people had questions, you know, like, well, you know, what happened and who are you and what's your background and all of that. There wasn't anything that I could say, but, you know, but yeah, there wasn't anything that I really could say that, you know, wouldn't or couldn't have been used against me, which, you know, everything's still on my website and, you know, all my blogs and things like that. I didn't take anything down. I wasn't hiding. Right. Um, you know, the, the prosecution had plenty <laughs> so, um, of who I was. So really, I wasn't going to deviate from that, but we did feel like the best course of action was to not say anything until after the trial. And, uh, you know, honestly, it was hard. Uh, I'm a very vocal person. Uh, I very much uh, have my opinions and my convictions, and I follow them. Um, and it was I felt very stifled. And in a way, I felt very irrelevant. That was one thing that God really dealt with me in the three years um, of waiting was uh, the irrelevancy that I felt because I couldn't be the voice that I wanted to be. Uh, I couldn't speak uh, to um, officials about the misinterpretation of midwifery law here. I couldn't speak to uh, senators. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything um, much, except I could talk as long as I steer cleared from anything that could, that was referred to as political around the trial, you know, anything like that. So uh, I just, I felt very irrelevant, like, and like, Lord, why am I, why are we going through this if, you know, if I don't, ma- if this doesn't matter, which it did, it was just a, a th- um, something that I had to process through and I had to walk through for myself of, Lord, I want this to mean something. And it did, but, you know, in the three and a half years, it just, I kind of felt like sideswiped um, a little bit, but then it comes back to, it's not about me. It's about God and what he wants to do with this. And I, uh, it really solidified that in my heart that it's like, okay, Lord, you know what, it's whatever you do with this is what you're going to do with it. Um, and I'm just going to be the vessel. And if I'm not the vessel you choose, then so be that as well.
2: Mm -hmm. And that just reminds me of the Exodus verse, um, the Lord fight for you, you know, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still, um, You really, you really walked that out, really walked that out. Um, so I pray that that irrelevance is falling off of you, um, because what you did was very much, very relevant. And, um, it took a lot of courage to, to let him defend you and let him fight for you. Um, and being in that stillness is such a hard, hard thing. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah you know i didn't plan to ask is there anything in that that you want to share um, in that silence that you you wish you could share now or you feel feel called to share at this point or
0: you know not uh Nothing comes to mind right now, except uh, today when I was reading to my kids, um, I read this beautiful quote, and um, it said, uh, I was out of a book called Hero Tales, and it said, patience is knowing that in the long run, God's work will be done in spite of the obstacles and the setbacks. Amen. And I was like, wow, that's... Uh, You know, I knew we were doing this podcast, and I was like, "Wow, that's actually really relevant." Yeah. (laughs) And so I wrote it down because really that that really framed like and encompassed the three years.
2: Yeah. So so good. That's so good. So, um, I guess thinking back to the trial specifically, uh, was there any like particular witness or expert testimony that really sticks out to you as having a significant bearing? on the outcome you saw.
0: Yeah, this one, I, thinking about it, honestly, I mean, they all had a part. Yeah. Really. Um, They all had a part and they, you know, everybody pr- said it pretty much exactly what I expected them to say. Um, mm-hmm. Being in their position. Uh, but they all, uh, You know, there was just, um, I don't know that there was one except, you know, the dad's testimony, I think, solidified in the judge's mind that this was, you know, this was not a case of misrepresentation on my part. Right. Uh, The dad was very clear about that. And so uh, so were my documents that were displayed uh, by the prosecution, (laughs) you know, were very, very clear um, that of who I was. And, um, even the dad's testimony of she provided the services that we we expected her to provide. Um,
1: yeah.
0: she did what we hired her to do. Uh, I think that helped the judge's mind because that was kind of the framework of the prosecution. One of the frameworks was that I was misrepresenting myself, and um that was not the case at all. right. Um, and so I think that was a good turning point for the judge. But, really, you know, I feel like every witness contributed <laughs> in some way, uh, yeah. to my verdict.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, okay. Um, so I guess, how did it feel to hear that verdict that moment the hear you're hearing the judge say not guilty? Um, do you like, do you remember what your first thought was or what flooded you at that point?
0: So leading up to that, uh, the day before, after closing testimonies were read, uh, Court TV, I was walking out of the courtroom, and Court TV uh, asked me, was I nervous? And I didn't answer them, because I was told to just say no comment. But I actually did kind of want to answer them, uh, because honestly, I wasn't. I was very confident that my legal team had done everything that they possibly could have um to present uh my side of the case
2: what a gift
0: so i i literally had no regrets and i just knew from then on it was in the judge's hands you know and god's hands ultimately um and i was just praying over that judge but um, i just knew you know what i don't have control from here on out and that's okay with me i felt like we did our absolute best and um my, team was, my team's amazing, and I felt like they gave it their all, so um, I wasn't nervous, and then Friday morning came, and we're, you know, we're sitting there, and the judge comes out and uh, starts reading the verdict, which, uh, first of all, I want to say um, it is very rare for a judge to read a non-guilty verdict, an explanation. Normally, they will explain a guilty verdict. Um, They'll just say not guilty. Um, However, I knew that that judges could explain a non-guilty verdict, which was part of my decision making when I chose a bench trial, because I prayed and fasted over this verdict for months before, because I needed a mic drop. I felt like there was a mic drop moment here. And so I prayed fervently that the judge would explain a non-guilty verdict. And my lawyer, uh, my head lawyer was like, he's probably not going to explain a non-guilty verdict. You know, find a new dream, Angie. (laughs) Uh, No, he He didn't say that. But um, he was just trying to prepare me. Like, he's not going to explain a non-guilty verdict. He's just going to say non-guilty is going to be done. And then he just starts explaining and the words coming out of his mouth, I honestly wasn't sure where we were going. I thought we might have lost. Uh, oh, wow. So we started going into it, and I thought, I think I'm going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was probably not until uh, a minute in when he said the words, the state has failed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's not that that was the moment that I was
2: like throwing a party at that point and going don't throw a party too early but ah! (laughs) Yeah,
0: so um, because before that I wasn't sure I was honestly not sure where he was going Um, and uh, so I was like oh, oh, okay Um, you know but honestly it wasn't relief for myself Yeah, it was because I knew I've known this all along and I've told people this, that, you know what, this battle can be over, but the war rages on. Mm -hmm. And so even when it's over, it's not over for me. Yeah. Uh, But but a non guilty means that this part was over for the family. Nobody will ever legally. Father the family about this again yes no prosecutors no lawyers no subpoenas no nothing for them anymore and that was my biggest relief because i knew if it would have been a guilty verdict we would have been a we would have been forced to appeal i knew that and they would have to relive this all over again and i didn't want that i did that was the last thing i wanted um and so my letdown was like for them, like they, you know, right. they can heal.
2: That chapter can, can be closed. Yeah,
0: and nobody's gonna bother them about this on a legal perspective again. Um, yeah. And then it was a bonus that I'm not going to prison. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was a bonus. But uh, I didn't have to. I didn't. It's a really have to nice do bonus the, uh, <laughs> from the inside. So, uh, so that I did take comfort in that. Um, I mean, I, I was very glad for me and my family as well, but more of it was just the the release of, for the family, um, and that knowing that we weren't going to have to appeal, that this was done. Yeah. It was done. This, this part, this part of it, um, was just done.
2: So good. I just, I remember that moment, just sobbing, sobbing and sobbing for solid, like, Three hours, I think, just like, oh, man, that was a moment. That was a moment. Um, so I guess looking back on the judge's statement, um, you know, there was kind of the initial rush of feelings and, you know, closing that chapter and the freedom that was given and all of those things. Um, But I know that there has been a lot of discussion about what he actually said and what he explained. Um, And there's been some really, just a lot of thoughts around that. So I would love to hear, like, how do you feel? What are your thoughts about the things he said in that um, explanation of his verdict?
0: So, you know, walking away after, immediately after trial, um, I didn't really, I mean, I understood the verdict, I understood I was not guilty, but I didn't realize the depth of which I got, I did I walked away feeling like I didn't get the, the, the mic drop, so to speak from the judge. And I actually was a little disappointed and I was just like, okay, now what? Because I've been praying, um, it'd been really hard for me to see life past the trial, uh, until the trial happens, uh, and I'm like, Lord, I need direction. I need to know where we're going with this. I need something that I can work with here. And I, at first, I didn't realize that I gotten it <laughs> until uh, my lawyer, Hermine, yeah. talked to me. <laughs> so and she's like, because uh, I was, I was expressing some disappointment, and she's like, Angie, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> um, she said, first of all, you know, the fact that the judge said that he noted that the parents have certain, has constitutional rights involving their medical decisions for home delivery of their baby. She's like, that has never <laughs> happened in a US court. Yeah, never. it has been tried. Basically, California tried it for the first time. I think it was 1975. Um, they tried it for the first time and it failed. And so this what of all places, Nebraska, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we get that. And it's like, whoa. Um, and then just the reaffirming that I was educated and I was trained. I didn't realize uh, the bravery of that judge to say that because in my mind, it was like, well, duh, I was yeah. trained and educated. Uh, but for a judge to come out and say that a traditional midwife was trained and educated and did not misrepresent herself was huge for so um a judge so to, 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 to tackle in a verdict. So there those were my two basically big mic drop moments. Now yeah. I will say I knew okay, I had those two mic drops. However, immediately I was not crazy about some of the things that the judge had said, uh particularly at the beginning, um, about parents' rights not being absolute. I was like, ooh, right. I'm not crazy about those. And then I was I was reading over this verdict, and I was just praying over it, and I was like, okay, um, Lord, what are we going to do here? And all of a sudden it dawned on me that this is a roadmap. My verdict mm-hmm. was a roadmap of what needs to be happening because it's – It's not that, you know, I needed to change my perspective of this is where the judge sees the weaknesses, particularly here in our state, but also nationally, because he quoted, um, when he said the parents' rights are not absolute, he actually quoted national court cases. And it was like, oh, this is where the judge seeks the weak points, and these shouldn't be weak points at any judge or any uh, law enforcement um in in anybody's mind these need to be these need to be solidified and so it really gave me a road map to show me where we needed to go um next so that's so I, good i'm actually incredibly incredibly grateful for everything he said now <laughs> so that's I'm so like, hey. good i am so grateful for everything he said because it shows me where what needs to happen what really needs to happen next so Um, yeah, so, uh, that's how I, you know, seeing the verdict and honestly, you know, just throwing this in here with, uh, how I even see the trial is just with so much gratitude of Mm -hmm. being able to experience that, um, being able to, um, you know, to pilot that on an international level because, uh, Court TV has not done a midwifery trial before and it's all Mm on. (laughs)
2: It's all I'm on. At first, I wasn't
0: crazy about it. It is. At first, I wasn't crazy about court TV being there, but I ended up being so grateful that they were, uh, wow. and that it was completely recorded. Uh, I was like, yes, it was. Um, yeah, so grateful for basically all all of the experience in mm. that, um including the verdict.
2: Yeah, I. I'm going to join you in that whole, uh, the court TV, man. I was so annoyed when I found out that that was going to be happening, but then I was like, fine, if they're going to use it, I'm going to use the enemy's tools against it. And I watched the whole thing, just like, I'm going to use it to prayer points, like praying through every single thing, just (laughs) that whole week, just stayed in a place of, of prayer using that live court TV. What just felt like they were using to like, try and embarrass you and try to like, hang you on a noose for the public was like, Oh no, I'm going to use this to know exactly how I'm praying for these people. And, um, yeah, it was actually really grateful that that ended up being something we had access to. Uh, So, all right. Well, um, I know that since, you know, we've got this, this not guilty verdict and this roadmap of a statement, um, There has also been a lot of talk that's kind of like, where are we going now? There's been this talk about using this case as a reason to bring more licensure to midwives, uh, specifically in Nebraska, and to, you know, quote, protect women. So what are your thoughts on that idea? And I'm going to duck now. No. You know, thoughts
0: are... um... When it comes to licensure, may it never be so. I do not want my court case held up as this is why we need licensure. In fact, I want it to be the opposite. Um, You know, I stand and I have stood from the beginning on the conviction. Licensure does not protect families. It does not protect midwives. Um, It gives a false sense of security. Um, It gives the government anointing. So to speak, on the midwives' heads and telling families, well, these are who we deemed safe for you to have your home birth with. Um, I stand that on parental rights, that families have the right to choose whom and where to give birth. Um, and I will always stand on that and wow. so if anything my my goal is to steer more towards the opening parental rights of choosing where and with whom to birth um you know there was some comparison about um because it was in hungary where i saw or Hungary, sorry not hungary hungaria um where they saw uh, a similar, uh, very similar case, and that there was a human acknowledgement of a human human right of birth choice, um, and they use that really to pilot what uh, happened in Europe, which is pretty he- it's heavily licensed. Um, you know, there was a, and this is not a quote. I'm actually paraphrasing because I couldn't find the actual quote. But basically, you know, the Hungarian court said that they acknowledged the parents' right of choice of delivering their child, and therefore it was the country's responsibility to regulate the people serving them or regulate the women serving them. And that's a that's a huge paraphrase. But when I, you know, heard that, it's uh, then where's the right? And where's the freedom? If the government has to regulate that, they literally just removed the human right of choice of delivery and given them an elude or a smoke and mirrors illusion of choice.
2: We'll let you choose what we let you choose.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, We're going to let you choose, but they have to be, you know, they have to have our anointing and our blessing on their heads. So, um, you know, that's, You know, when it comes to America, you know, I believe, and this is my own opinion, but uh, we're, you know, in my opinion, we are the greatest uh, country in the world or amongst them. And I think we can do it better. I think we can do it better when it comes to true parental birthing rights.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We need to be doing it better. Man, there is something you said in all of that that just is jumping out to me. And it's probably because I um, am really uh, love the word anointing. I use it in my anointed birth and my school, anointed midwifery and school. And when you said that, it jumped out at me. I've never really connected that dot of that is what regulation is, that is what licensure is, putting the um, the blessing of the government anointing you as um the midwife versus the Lord calling and anointing you as the midwife. And um yeah, wow, that is I could do a whole podcast on that. But <laughs> just I'm gonna be simmering. I'm gonna be simmering on that um that word, that verbiage. Uh, so thank you for offering that as well. Um but back on track, uh you know, are there, are there any other implications of this outcome of your trial for Nebraska midwives and other mothers? Um, and are there other implications for other states and mothers of other states?
0: Well, I hope we just don't limit it to, to Nebraska and other states, but worldwide. Uh, I hope that this yeah. is a real <laughs> eye opener. Um, yeah, to, 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 basically break open to really dig into what parental birthing rights really are and to have those hard conversations and, um, and that mutual respect, you know, that, that's the thing is we, you know, we have with the parental birthing rights is we have a lack of respect on some ends, um, therefore, they're not willing to work with the families when they do need the help and the support. Um, we need to have that that mutual understanding and respect and that respect of autonomy for individuals.
2: Yes, yes. Ah, oh, that's so good. Um, you've shared so much here. So is there anything else that you'd like to add on? Let's see. Not that
0: I can think of. Okay. So um I mean we we pretty much uh I think we've covered a, a lot of things.
2: Awesome. So I know that um legal fees, legal battles are an expensive thing to walk through. And um first again, I just wanna thank you um for doing so with bravery and courage um for all of us. Um you did it and you've made it clear I think today that you didn't do it just for you. Um, You really stood for for all of us. And um, I thank you for that. Uh, But is there a way our listeners can support the legal fees? Um, Like, can we support you in that way? Is there a way to uh, donate?
0: Absolutely. So I do have outstanding legal fees, uh, currently amounting to about uh, 70, uh, 70,000 dollars. Oh, God. Um, I do have, uh, yes, it, it is quite cumbersome um, and that's uh, not including what we've already paid. So the right. whole trial, cool. <laughs> or the whole battle, um, the whole legal part of it, minus uh, any additional expenses or loss of income just for the legal part of it was about $150,000. Um, and I do have a ch- a Chuffed account and we can post the link. I don't know if you have like show notes. Um yep. But may, I can send you the link uh to okay. that and people can follow that um or get on there if they uh feel called to donate because it would be more than welcomed uh because it uh, it was a hefty bill.
2: Yeah. Well, I am uh praying that our listeners, those who feel called to uh support you will do so. Um and we will definitely put that in the show notes so that they can find um that avenue. Um, so I guess what is next for you? What are you, yeah, what's next? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, you know, it's a big question. Uh, yeah. You know, from the beginning, um, my my life is not my own. It's God's. And uh, he has placed a calling on my life, um, a calling of midwifery. Uh, however, just like any calling and just like anything with life, it ebb and flows. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's times of, you know, step you know, slowing it down and there's times of moving it forward, uh, with that, um, the, the calling hasn't changed. Um, however, uh, you know, the, um, the way my look has changed and honestly, oh, um, you know, there, as I said before, you know the this battle was over, but the war rages on, and so we are actually uh, fighting the next steps of that right now. Um, okay. And you know, I use the word fighting, you know, amongst friends here. I'm not actually physically fighting or picking fights. Uh, however, there is another midwife in our state that is getting charged in two different counties, and so we are working on that. Um, we are working with opening dialogue with um, basically, government officials, uh, basically of educating um, about our current laws and what is really and what's happening uh, to our midwives here in the state. You know we're not asking, and this is the thing that I want to be clear on is, you know, midwives aren't asking for protection from the government. We're asking to be treated like any other citizen and for due process to be followed. And uh, when it's not from accountability, for that uh, when due process from law enforcement is not followed. So, um, you know, just making people aware of that and doing the education. So basically those are kind of the next steps is, you know, really, uh, and, you know, seeing what God does with this verdict, you know, I don't know, we're starting off right now, the, the fight is small uh, or the, well, okay, I take that back it's not small, but it's local, like it's to our state. So, right. um, it's first where I'm at and then we'll see what, you know, what doors open up that I need to step through. Uh, i am yeah. just uh, letting God lead and I'm just following.
2: Awesome. Is there, um, a call to action for our listeners? Um, what, what can we do to actually be a part of moving this forward?
0: Mm, Good question. So, um, you know, with a a call to action on our state level, uh, for those that want to send um, our attorney general information about the different types of midwifery, that's where we're working on educating is we, uh, they seem to kind of lump us all in with nurse midwives, which are regulated here in the state, and not, uh, and trying to not acknowledge the fact that there's non-nurse midwives. So, um helping the attorney general to understand the difference between midwives is crucial um so for those that wanted to do that uh, as far as a bigger call to action um you know i'm not really sure except you know on your on your state level cuz really it's uh because of the way the us is set up with individualized uh, states um, really, you have to fight it on the individualized states. Um, so if you're in a place, you know, of, um, I mean, and regardless if you're in a place that's open, uh, unregulated, um, optional licensure or heavy licensure, you know, building those relationships and connections with uh, your officials, you know, just building those connections and starting the education process because you just never know when, you uh, when you're going to need that.
2: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for all of that. Um, I am just honored to be a part of helping share your message, your side, breaking that silence for you um, and just being able to let you, um, you know, share what you needed to share, share what you wanted to share here. Um, So thank you for being here. Uh, Is there any final thoughts or a prayer? Um, and be happy to pray over you or you can pray over our listeners, whatever, uh, not to put you on the spot there, um, before we wrap up. Oh,
0: um, well, I am more than happy to pray. So, okay. Um, and, uh, for those that are listening that are praying as well, you know, one prayer request that I do have is, you know, just wisdom, wisdom and guidance and discernment uh, moving forward. So, um, you know, there there's a, a lot of things going on and just making sure that I'm staying focused and holding true with, with what God's called me to do.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: So, uh, but yes, I would love to pray over our listeners right now.
2: All right. Let's.
0: Heavenly Father, I just come before you and i just hold so much thankfulness for lauren and for brooke and for this podcast and for them being obedient uh to open up this podcast for listeners lord to feel connected and to feel heard and um and just to speak truth and lord i thank you for our time here together i thank you that uh, your hand is Uh, upon this Lord and I thank you for everyone that is tuning in and listening and I pray a blessing over everyone listening in this podcast Lord I pray that uh, ears uh, would be open Lord and that what we've said here would not just be heard but really processed and really understood Lord I thank you again I just thank you for our time here together. And I pray that you would bless uh, Lauren and I as we close this podcast and go about our day in your name. Amen.
2: Amen. 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 Well, thank you for uh, joining me today.
0: You're welcome. Thank 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 you.
2: And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Holy Wild Birth. We hope that you were genuinely encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. If you're loving what you hear, please make sure that you share it, leave reviews, that helps other mamas find this content as well. And don't forget to read the show notes, okay? Because that's where you can find our email address if you want to reach out to us and start a conversation. It's also where you'll find free offerings as well as invitations to work with me and or Lauren. We can't wait to get to know you. See you next week.